Figure Skating Podcast with me, Johanna, and... Dia, hello. Hello. Yesterday we watched the women's final, the free program, and we were pretty traumatized, as I think anyone was watching the whole thing, um, especially even after the uh, points came, uh, the score came for uh, Camilla Valieva, the whole thing that developed after that, it was terrible in so many ways. Um, but basically it's been such a journey <laughs> with this whole thing because we only started watching Camila Valieva as a senior, which this is her first senior season. And she was the, you know, great 15 year old, uh, superstar, ready-made, uh, beating everyone from her first competition. And there were headlines and people commenting like, she's the greatest female figure skater ever. And it's like, well, that's a little premature, we thought, already before this whole debacle happened. But so, of course, she was the giant favorite for the gold medal during these Olympics. And um, after about a week uh, after the team event, her uh, the doping results came out that she had a positive results. And after that, all hell broke loose, really. It got mm. worse every day. It's kind of like, it reminded me of when we look back at the pandemic, when it first started, like, oh, we were so naive in the beginning of March 2020 or whatever. But this was like the super-speeded version of that, where every day something new came out, like uh, this, or, you know, the Russian, whatever, they have known for about it for this long, and this organization failed to make uh, this decision, and then actually she had, there were three different heart medicines she's taking for some reason at age 15, healthy athlete, and so on and so on. And also we got to see her break down during practices during the Olympics and crying, and it just, it was just awful leading up to the beginning of the women's competition. What was your experience watching her and the women's event, Dea? Uh, I think I said to you that it got under my skin. I, I wasn't able to let it go. It's, it's been with me for a couple of days now. How come? There was something... When, when you see these super amazing uh, professional skaters, and you are reminded that they are very, very young girls, very vulnerable, and maybe not taken care of. I don't know. I remember my grandmother said uh, that she always regretted seeing Elvis' last concert. Oh, yeah? Uh, be she, because she want, didn't want to remember him like that mm. and uh, we know we knew uh, when uh, Camila's free skate uh, was coming up that mm. this will probably be the last time we see her mm. no matter how it goes because of the very short career mm. for all the Russian girls yeah maybe. so this was really heartbreaking to see yeah but at the same time, it's like, I guess why you say it got under our skin, because it's complicated. Because on the one hand, we thoroughly disagreed with the fact that they allowed her to compete. And, you know, we feel sorry for her, obviously. Mm. Who wouldn't? 
Um, but at the same time, I felt such a relief that she was off the podium because it meant that our queen, Kaori Sakamoto, got to get her medal and it was a bit of uh, just order <laughs> present again. And also it felt good that it wasn't a, a triple Russian or ROC podium. But it's also kind of depressing that we've never seen so much figure skating coverage in like Swedish media here where we are. <laughs> uh, no, I guess you have back in the day of... Uh, Tonya Harding and yeah. Nunez here. Yeah, but that, and that's how many years ago? 25 or something? Like, yeah, they love a good scandal during the Olympics, clearly. But why? I mean, that, yeah, it's so annoying. <laughs> that's mm. what they're reporting on. But yeah, it's just the way media works, I suppose. But so anyway, so that was only the beginning, really, of the trauma. I mean, like, that was one thing. It was really sad and she was crying and, you know, her coaches were saying when she walked up the ice, like, why didn't you fight for it? I read uh, the translation. But that's the thing. I mean, like, I've actually been to Russia, which not everyone has who complains about it. Mm. And I love it. But there is a hardness. And even now, or more than ever, I don't know. It's just so hard to understand what's going on in there. But um, so after that, it was interesting to watch it happen live because I didn't understand what was happening. Usually uh, when the Olympic champion is, you know, when it's revealed who has won, they are crazy happy. I mean, we've seen crying scenes and it's a little bit different this time because they're not allowed to have their family uh, on site and everything, but still everyone else we've seen have been celebrating with someone mm. uh, or celebrating on their own or crying out of happiness or whatever. And then we got to see Anna Sherbakova who won the women's event, uh, also from Russia. And she was just sitting there like completely numb. And I think it was difficult understanding at first what had happened if she was not allowed to be happy because she knew that her team and her country wanted clearly wanted Camilla Valieva to win. Um, or if maybe Trusova, the silver medalist, uh, clearly there was a big problem between the two of them when the results came out because they both both wanted to win. And Trusova was flying off the handle. I mean, she was crying, screaming. We could see her, her hands. It's kind of a weird thing. But when she was like standing there, she was crying and the... Um, the coach, who is the older gentleman, sort of reddish guy, mm. she, she was he was trying to comfort her, I guess, or maybe talk to her. And she was screaming and crying, and she was holding her hands in this like really tense claw-like way. And you mm. could really, I could really see how she really seemed like not a seventeen-year-old, but like a twelve-year-old, like which is understandable. Like the upset feeling, like she couldn't handle her emotions at all, and no wonder. But that was horrible and also because at the time obviously I didn't understand what was happening since she was talking Russian and then we saw Anna Shabakova trying to be happy after a little while and Kaori Sakimoto was crying like everything was it was just I, I could barely handle it live and mm. then afterwards it was a little easier to understand what had happened I guess a little bit and Trusova was apparently saying that everyone got a gold medal except me and and you actually said, well, they are so young. Like, it's so hard to remember when they handle all this pressure normally mm. and when they perform really well and everything. But, yeah, when it comes to dealing with emotions... Uh... Well, they are, are obviously isolated from their families as well. Yeah. So... And their dogs, she yeah. said. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's mi she misses her dogs. She says, 
I've been so lonely for three weeks here. But also that's because she didn't get to compete in the team event. Clearly mm. they had her as a backup uh, there. And I don't think she liked that very much. And, and yeah, it's no wonder she's lonely. Because like the other athletes, first of all, everyone was afraid of getting COVID. So I, maybe the Russians weren't. They didn't seem like it. But yeah. And, but also it's not like her team seems to be very supportive. And I don't know. It just must have been so awful for her. And I guess it all just came to blow after the results. And... But yeah, it was, I've never seen such a sad, I mean, I guess when Oksana Baigel won, that was also 94, way before your time, <laughs> yeah. and she was a tiny little orphan, also 15 or 16, I guess she was 16 from the Ukraine, and she was crying her eyes out, and I mean, I guess that's the saddest, but that was many years ago, I've mm. never seen such a sad podium after that, but I mean, those were, I guess, at least happy tears, but they were also that kind of, I'm too young to handle this, like the stress release and everything going on, like it's... It's intense, and this was the worst ever. Mm. But we were happy for Kaori. Well, we listened to our uh, Adam Rippon, our our fairy favorite. godmother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, and he is uh, talking up. He is very upset yeah. uh, about the situation. Yeah, and he wants to see the the race, the age limits. Yeah, a lot of people do. Yeah, because he wants to see women, not ladies. Girls. Yeah, Girls. It's, they changed it from the ladies to women's, and he's like, where are the women? Hell yeah, what does he change? Like, <laughs> he's so good for sound bites. But yeah, it's um, that will probably happen. Uh, maybe this will speed things up. Mm. So, But then it's interesting to see how that will affect the uh, Tootbirds camp and everything, because... What are they going to do? If like, Is there a point to have like 13-year-olds doing quads if they can't do them when they're 17? Yeah, but it also depends on how rules, how they change the scoring, if they do, and things like that. But I guess that's... I mean, is there anything else? What are you hoping for when it comes to like the future of women's? Because we don't want another Olympics like this, even though, yeah, it was a lot of drama, but it wasn't good drama. It was just awful. No, no it was horrible. No, I would like to see... Um... Yeah, if they put me in charge, I would say the ne the next Olympics, bring older, healthier, and happier figure skaters, and I would love to watch it again. I can't believe they gave Corey the bronze because I mean obviously she deserved it. Her skating was amazing. I can't believe how well she handled it because it affected her too. I mean this whole season, this whole thing, it affected everyone. But yeah, they probably did it because. It was easier so they could do the medal ceremony and everything. But anyway, it was wonderful. She was also third after the short program. Yeah. And she skated perfectly. I mean, still, they don't really uh, reward her enough for her unbelievable skills and mm. speed. It's insane. She just flies by. And yeah, she's not doing the quads. But, you know, again, probably not using doping either. So it's like ugh, more of that kind of skating. Please. Um, we also really enjoyed our lovely queen, Mariah Bell, and mature skating. Uh, that was a really beautiful skate. It was mm. fun to see. And a lot of the others were. We enjoyed a lot of the skates. It's just that this was like this heavy cloud over the whole event and bleh. I'm glad it's not the final event for once. Usually the women's, that's the final for the Olympics. So we were really upset that for a few days during the women's event and 
I just wanted to get that, like, it was horrible to get that sort of toxic feeling into the love of figure skating because it's just an interest for me and you and many, many others. And we want to feel, you know, feel f filled by it, happy from it. Like, what's the point if we're not inspired by it, if there's all this horrible toxicity happening? And fortunately, <laughs> since, um, you know, some of them are practicing in Beijing still, um, it was pretty funny because after the men's event, Yuzu, Yuzuri Hanyu was asked by um, a journalist, he said, well, even though you, you know, fell on your quad axle, um, you could, maybe you could do it during the exhibition. And Yuzu said, am I invited to be in the exhibition? <laughs> I was like, are you serious? He still doesn't get it, does he? Like, if he was last, he would be invited to the ex <laughs> exhibition, clearly. <laughs> But yeah, so because of that, he and some of the others uh, are still there. Uh, not only the skaters for the exhibition, but those who will be there on Sunday are still practicing. And I've been seeing a lot of footage from Yusu's practice practices. And he's doing something really interesting. Um, he is skating through all of his old programs. It started out just that he was going to do Phantom of the Opera again. Um, but then he started skating through all his old programs and he still remembers them, which I guess is, is not that remarkable, but yeah, it's a good sign <laughs> still, I guess. It's in his bones. And I've been seeing a lot of footage when he's doing these, I mean, clearly I'm a Yuzu fan, but I'm not one of those like uncritical fans who can't see that he sometimes has a great day, not such a great day. But during these practices, there's some serious magic going on and mm. he is working through something. I don't know what it is. But he is having this, I mean, he's on fire, even though his ankle is bothering him terribly. He's doing quads and everything, but he's also putting so much like heart and soul and fire into these old programs. And the, the other skaters and the people on the sidelines are like clapping and interacting. And, and um, when I told you about it, you actually said something interesting about why he might be going through those old programs. Oh, yeah, I read a book about art making and um, it said that uh, you should uh, look back on your previous previous works to see where you're going next clearly that's what he's doing mm. but he's doing it with this kind of I don't know what happened it's almost like I don't know if he would have had this kind of fire if he had meddled or won or whatever this is something else he's going through and I think it's because everyone's asking him will he retire will he not um, but seeing that kind of like joy of skating and of life really that he has exhibited during these practices is, is just such an antidote to everything that I've been feeling during the women's event. Not everything, but all the toxicity. So that has been incredible and I hope he continues. It's unlikely or maybe not. I don't know. Mm. You never know with him what he's going to do. But just seeing him be brilliant in that makes it just, it's just someone, he just like carries the light when you need it and it's quite something. One final thing for those of you listening, um, we 
almost accidentally, we s- stumbled over Shoma Uno's YouTube channel. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> and we laughed and laughed. It was comedy gold, seriously. So the clip, we happened to see it first with his, his English lesson. Mm. <laughs> Second one. He has two, I guess, or maybe more. Because his coach, Stefan Lambiel, has asked him to learn more English. He thinks that would be good for their communication. And I think he's right when I saw some of the other clips. But it was so much fun because Shoma is... I mean, fortunately, most of the clips are subtitled in English. But most of the clips are... It's kind of like he's a the, the Carl Pilkington of figure skating. Because he's so out of left field. I don't know where he's coming from. And sometimes when I think, I wonder if Shoma is is really smart or not and then he says something that i'm like well i guess he's smarter than all of us <laughs> like he's just got this really interesting mind and i don't know he's cute as hell in all his little it's sometimes intentionally funny i think sometimes unintentionally no wi-fi password wa mogatara can i can i take a wi-fi password tittiru What's the Wi-Fi password? What is this Wi- Wi-Fi? Wait, what? Wi-Fi. What is this Wi-Fi password? Ah, it's not going to work. No, it's not going to Wi-Fi password, please? But if you haven't watched Shoma Uno's um, YouTube channel, especially the English lessons and some of the others. There's also some really interesting clips of him uh, training in Switzerland and like what actually goes into his training, which was also more serious and interesting. But yeah, it's hilarious. So go watch that. Thanks for listening. Get in touch. We're on Instagram. I've never seen so much uh, uh, internet activity as during these Olympics. It's fun. Um, And uh, get in touch there if you'd like. Bye for now.